welcome back. Greetings fans of cinema. I am your host Phil Walsh and you are listening to episode number 22 of this ongoing podcast series dedicated to the movies, the good, the bad, everything in between. As I say, I talk about it all, but especially for the love of movies. That's the way it's been. That's the way it will continue to be. And today, continuing my review of the Halloween franchise, we are now just 36 days away until the release of Halloween ends on October 14th, and each new day it seems like more and more anticipation and and hype is building for this film. Uh, New images have been released almost daily at this point, and I have to say, even though I've been trying to sequester myself away from seeing them, uh, you you can't help it, of course, with the... uh, uh, with the joy that is Twitter, but uh, uh, it really looks great. I mean, I, I'm I always try to keep my expectations somewhat in check, particularly with a movie uh, like Halloween, uh, where I have such a, a, a an appreciation and love for the franchise. But uh, I tell you, just the, the the hype is real. The hype is real for this movie. Uh, the the end is coming, and we shall see just in 36 days exactly what that end will be. But today. Going to go back in time a little bit and review the sequel to Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, or H2, depending on the uh, the poster. This was, of course, uh, Rob Zombie's follow-up to the successful, uh, and, I, and, I, and I mean that when I say the successful remake of the original. Uh, the, the previous movie released in 2007... It grossed over $80 million, which was, for at the time, a huge success for the franchise. And uh, sometimes folks don't remember this, but, but Halloween 2007 was the highest-grossing Halloween movie in the series until the release of Halloween 2018. So, I mean, to say that... that Rob Zombie's remake, you know, didn't uh, hit a nerve. It, it, no, it certainly did. I mean, it's as I've indicated uh, back at the very beginning of this uh, this special. Uh, this this it was a divisive movie. It did uh, did get people uh, uh, on, on opposite sides of the fence. But I mean, you know, nevertheless, it it did respectable numbers critically. It was a little a uh, bit of a mixed bag or less. But again, in Hollywood, if it makes even a little bit of money, you can almost guarantee there's going to be a sequel. And so it was no surprise when in 2009, Halloween 2 made its theatrical debut. And just a little bit of background on it, since I, I do know a lot of you appreciate the uh, little uh, the factoids that I uh, tend to spew on these, on, these, on these episodes. But Rob Zombie, interestingly enough, did not want to do a sequel. He 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 came back to it over a period of time. He was worn out and exhausted after the first movie. Just the press and and the hype and and the kind of you know the scrutiny that goes with remaking a, a classic film, especially a classic film like Halloween. Uh, and, and again, you know you're not going to please everybody, so I can understand uh, quite well why he wouldn't want to necessarily go back to Haddonfield. That he maybe wanted to go off and try something else. And interestingly enough, the producers looked at another, uh, a number of different options for the sequel. Malika Cod, the uh, uh, executive 
producer on the movie, and of course, you know, son of, of the late Mustafa Akkad, uh, had said that originally Rob Zombie showed no interest, wasn't going to come back, even though pretty much everyone involved felt he should. Uh, the original intention was to, and this is Malik Akkad's words, to do a normal sequel, to do a normal sequel. And, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting phrase because, uh, you know, again, Halloween, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 has its, uh, has its uh, defenders. It also has its critics. Uh, but I think it is, is fair to say whether you, uh, you love the movie or you hate the movie, it is not a normal sequel in the, uh, in the literal uh, sense of the word, uh, or words for that matter. Uh, Halloween 2 was very much an outside-of-the-box sequel. A- and for that, I, I do have to say I, I appreciate that. Uh, that that Rob Zombie was you know a willing to come back uh, and and try something new with the Halloween mythos, but but also that he uh, that he took the story in such a radically different direction. Because I mean I remember when they announced that they were doing Halloween too, and again I I was never a, 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 a super fan of the of the of the remake I, I appreciate it for what it's worth uh, what it's worth and i said that back a number of episodes ago but you know certainly as a fan of the halloween franchise uh, one movie is not gonna sort of you know make it or break it for me i i i love this franchise and and and, and you know will follow it you know even beyond uh whatever comes after halloween ends which i mean spoiler alert i think we all know this but uh, Halloween Ends will not be the last Halloween movie. We'll see what happens, of course, with this film. But I think it's fair to say that Michael Myers will always come back. But putting putting all that aside, when it was announced that there was going to be a, a sequel to, to Rombie's, uh, Rob Zombie's uh, remake, I was stoked. I was stoked. I said, hey, this is, you know, let's see what else uh, he can do with it. Because it ended in a way where... It, it could have been a self-contained story or it could have gone on. And, and one of the, the choices that he made in the original or in his remake was to not have the revelation insofar as for Laurie's character that she is Michael Myers' uh, uh, sister. Of course, we the audience know that and a number of the key players in the movie know it, but but she herself doesn't have that that revelation. And so that to me was an exciting a potential prospect for this this movie that they were going to explore that particular storyline um you know uh you know more in the inevitable sequel and i remember you know this of course the days of, of message boards and all that stuff and i remember people just speculating like crazy like what was the plot going to be what was what was going to happen where would the story Go and um, I, I remember reading on on one of the posts, and I don't even remember what message board site it was. I mean, it shows you how long ago uh, uh, this was, you know, two thousand, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, but I remember you know one person speculating, you know, just sort of you know, kind of you know, uh, stream of conscious. It was like, oh, you know, what if what if Laurie ends up being, you know, the killer? What if they decide to go that route and. You know, it was just sort of a. It was fun. The speculation for this movie uh, was was interesting because, you know, again, the remake was you know divisive in 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 parts, and it wasn't 
perfect, but you know, it, it did its respectable business and, and it, you know, it reinvigorated the Halloween franchise. So any potential sequel was going to be now kind of a step in, in, in a new territory, not necessarily being beholden to the mythos. And I, and I, and again, I, I was in favor of that. I thought, oh, let's, let's see what can happen. And, I remember there was the, the sort of to be the you know kind of leaks of of different photos, and you saw you know different stuff with a hospital, and then of course that you know, first teaser trailer you know, heavily hinted at there being a hospital sequence, and and right off the bat, like you instantly go to the the original Halloween two with uh, Michael stalking Lord to the hospital, and right away that that kind of you know that that movie is triggered in your mind you're thinking okay we're going to get a grittier we're going to get a more uh, violent take on the hospital situation uh, for you know for the modern you know for the modern day and and that to me is okay well let's see what happens you know i i you know figured they're not going to do the whole movie in the hospital but i figured just you know again based on the trailer it might be a good portion of the story, or, or or at least a, a significant part, to kind of get the movie going, and um, you know, I was you know you know stoked for that. You know, Malcolm McDowell's coming back to play Doctor Loomis. You know, his fate had been kind of ambiguous at the end of you know, depending on which cut you saw, either the director's or the theatrical. It's you know, it was kind of left up in the air whether or not he was alive or dead. You know, Michael crushed his skull. I mean, the director's cut made it a little bit clearer that that he had had at least survived the initial encounter but the theatrical cut didn't didn't make that clear so uh, i was happy just to you know see the loomis character returning because you know it's it's like van helsing to dracula there's just that that great component uh of, of loomis and, and michael and i was always happy to have uh you know loomis the character back in the halloween franchise given that he had been had been absent for the the previous two before the remake so you know just a chance to see it and you know Malcolm McDowell had done a had done a respectable job uh said all right this is this is going to be great of course Scout Taylor Compton she was uh she was you know she did a great job and and put her own spin on Laurie Strode so I said all right this is this is going to be good this is going to be interesting because you know it's everyone's a little older you can kind of really do the processing and and you know again what kind of intrigued me about it was you know really getting a, a a direct follow-up to the events of a, of a Halloween movie, whereas Halloween 2 from 1981 takes place immediately after the events of the first Halloween, and so there's not much kind of development and, and you know, a lot of time to process what's been going on. So I figured, oh, this this is probably going to at least take us in that direction, kind of see the aftermath of, of what Michael Myers does. And so, you know... 2009 rolls around end of August, which, you know, side note, I, I was, I, I never liked the idea of Halloween movies being released in, in either mid September or in the case of, of the, of the two zombie films and then the, um, the, and resurrection and, and H2O both being released in August. I was never a fan of, of those, uh, the, those released. Halloween should be released in Halloween, Halloween and, you know, props to, to Blumhouse and, and Universal for, for going back to the, uh, the traditional way, which, you know, again, interestingly had not been done, um, with Halloween 2018, uh, since Halloween five. But again, I, I'm, I'm getting off. I'm, I'm going off on the tangent, throwing way too much out there. So I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to stay on topic, but, um, 
any event. 2009 rolls around. Halloween is coming out. You know, teaser trailers out, trailers out. Poster looks cool. You know, I remember seeing the tagline, family is for other arts. I said, all right, this is this is going to be good. I, I'm, I'm, you know... It wasn't you know entirely sold on the re- on the remake, but you know what? There, there are some there were some you know good points to it, and again, it's a Halloween film, and that that was the driving force. This is about you know Halloween time, and so sit down, watch the movie. It starts and right off the bat, and, and and again, spoiler alert from this point on, because I will be going into into some detail about the film, so. Starts off in the past, and we have a young um, Michael Myers, the original actor from the first movie, uh, was recast because he had had gotten taller and was older, and so uh, understandable. And and the uh, the replacement um, actor, I, I thought he did a he he did a fine uh, fine job, and I want to make sure I get his name. It was Chase Wright Vanek, and and I thought he did a, it was a seamless transition um, from uh, from the original actor in the first one. Uh, but you know that—that's you know, uh, and, uh, just a point of clarity. So, takes place probably sometime right after. This is the opening sequence, right after Michael has been committed, and Deborah Myers is back. You know, Sherry Moon Zombie, she's back, and um, and and she's having her scene with Michael, and I'm like, okay, and you know, they're talking, and he's going on about how he misses home, and. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not a big fan of when Michael talks. I mean, even I mean, I could accept it in the in the remake because you were showing the kid before and then kind of in the immediate aftermath. But you know, in reality, I think Michael, you know, it's best if Michael doesn't talk. You know, <laughs> kind of if anything, this was a kind of a harbinger of things to come for the rest of this movie. But any event, the the movie starts and and she's you know gives him this white horse and. There's a whole quote about uh, the the white horse theory and and it kind of you know having to do with you know psychosis and, and, and state of insanity and you know we're kind of left with this little you know odd scene at the beginning between Deborah Myers and and, and young Michael and her giving him a toy uh, or you know statue of a, of a plastic horse and then boom movie cuts back. 15 years uh, in in the future. It's Halloween. Uh, the, you know, the remake's ending. Laurie has just shot Michael, and she's found by Sheriff Brackett. Takes him to the... Uh, takes her to the hospital, and Loomis is, is found alive. He's sent off to another hospital, and then the uh, paramedics arrive, and they scoop up Michael's body, load him into, back, into the back of the van, and then subsequently... Um, you know, you know, what happens, you know, any event, uh, all this is playing is kind of like, you know, immediate, immediate follow up. And somehow there's an accident on the side, you know, on, on the way to the morgue for whatever the reason, Michael is, is still alive, even though he's been pronounced dead on the scene. Michael wakes up, kills the paramedics and then sees a vision of his mother, Deborah Myers, played by Sherry Moon Zombie, with a white horse. And we're now entering uh, Jason Voorhees territory. I, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to be so kind of 
kind of flip about it, but but that's what um, that's what came to mind. I said, okay, now Michael is now Jason. You know, sort of a weird irony there. You know, Jason was inspired by Michael, and and then in this case, Michael's taking a cue from from Deborah Myers, and so you know that's that's interesting. And then you know, movie kind of gets itself back on track. Lori's at the hospital, you know, recovering. It's still Halloween night. It's pouring rain. Lori is, you know, in agony, pain, head hurts. She then goes out in the hall, and the nurse played brilliantly, I have to say, by Octavia Spencer. She's out there in the nurse's station, turns around, and she is she's just been stabbed. You know, she's bleeding all over. And Lori is like, oh shit. You know, she knows that something's up, and then Michael appears from behind corner and and i have to say like all my my issues with 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 the zombie films and and kind of you know his take on the michael myers mythos this sequence right here the hospital sequence at the beginning of halloween 2 is some of the most frightening images and sequences of of michael myers ever put to screen i i wasn't necessarily a big fan of this kind of hulking giant Michael Myers, because I think he does work better when he's, you know, kind of, you know, guy of average height and kind of blends into the shadows. But in this particular sequence where it's, you know, Michael in a, in a desolate hospital hallway and, and he's just like this brutal, almost Frankenstein monster. And he of course you know, kills um, Octavia Spencer's character and then proceeds to go after Laurie Strode, you know, killing pretty much anybody who gets in his way. And this, it's this horrible scene of, of carnage and blood. And, 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 you know, you think, oh, my God, you know, Laurie, Laurie isn't going to, you know, isn't going to make it. How is she going to how is she going to get out of out of this sequence? And she locks herself in like this little safety, um, you know, a, a security house outside the hospital. But Michael, of course, finds her. And, and, you know, just when you think like, oh my God, there's going to be some kind of intervention or Michael's going to be captured, she wakes up. And, oh God, I, I am not a fan of the dream sequence. I, I think it is, it is a worn out cliche in, in movies and stories. It's rarely, rarely ever done well uh, or, or effectively and it just ends up, to put it bluntly, pissing you off as an audience member. <laughs> because, especially in this case, where the whole sequence up until the point it was revealed to be a dream was done so well. Again, it felt like an updated version of Halloween 2. Grittier, scarier, violenter. It was, just, it, was, it was all the above, you know? It was just you know, pedal to the metal. And then you reveal it's a dream. And it's like, okay, we've just been you know, taken on a ride for you know the last 10 minutes and then just when it's you know about to reach the, the the climax you know the ride stops more or less and again i won't say that i'm like entirely opposed to a dream sequence because you know again it can be done well it's just oh i just, i just think it's lazy writing i you know i'm like there's just better ways like unless a dream is going to reveal something and, and i guess on some level you might argue that this dream sequence that happens is like Laurie's psychosis, like she's starting to, to crack up because movie picks up one year after the last Halloween, 
Lori has been taken in by by Sheriff Brackett and 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 Annie, and Michael is missing again. It's never really explained like if the scene with him escaping the the morgue van if that was real or a dream. It just it's Michael's missing and and nobody knows where he is, but everyone thinks ah he's probably dead. And so you know Lori is clearly traumatized. You know she's got a poster of Charles Manson on the wall. I mean like you know again. This is not Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode, and this is even not necessarily the Laurie Strode from the previous movie. Like she's she's really going down the hill, um, and you know again I I can understand you know she's been you know been through a traumatic event, and this is her way of dealing with it. But you know it's uh, you know it, it is a bit jarring because especially the the relationship between Annie and Laurie in this movie is really in the is really in the gutter they're they're pretty much at each other's throats the entire movie there's really not much of a sisterly bond anymore and 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 you know Laurie's just kind of just nasty and mean to her really and and Annie's kind of almost dealing with her trauma uh from the events of Halloween kind of in a more you know rational way i mean not not you know to say that there's you know one definitive way to deal with trauma but I mean, Lori's just kind of just being awful the entire time. And, you know, Annie's being nice and, you know, trying to be polite and, and, and you know, be a friend to her. But Lori's just having none of that. And, you know, she's being treated by a, a, a therapist uh, who's played uh, by uh, by Marco Kidder, which was actually a, was a fun little surprise. You know, Lois Lane is in the movie, which was uh, kind of unexpected. You know, I, I had to say this is just an aside and maybe this is, you know, Maybe this is the writer and writer in me. I don't know. I was kind of hoping that Loomis would have taken on the role of Laurie's therapist because, uh, you know, fun fact: in one of the earlier drafts of Halloween Four, prior to Jamie Lee Curtis passing on the movie and saying she didn't want to do it, there was a script written that involved Laurie Strode dealing with the trauma of the events of Halloween 1978 and. She was, you know, more or less seeing Loomis kind of, you know, as an informal, you know, psychiatrist friend. And I, you know, I always thought that would have been an interesting storyline to go, you know, particularly even in this universe because of Loomis's established relationship with with Michael and, and kind of how, you know, in contrast to, to Donald Pleasance's take where he was very much just on a mission, you know, must, must stop Michael, must stop the boogeyman. You know, Malcolm McDowell's Loomis was almost more of a, uh, of a tragic friendship. He wanted to, to almost help Michael and felt real guilty that he couldn't reach him, that he couldn't, that he couldn't pull him back from the abyss. And so, you know, again, it's probably just the writer in me. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, I was kind of hoping that they would have gone in the direction of Loomis, you know, being Laurie's therapist or kind of working with Laurie because it would have, you know, he would have maybe seen it. Or this is his chance to to do right or something. You know, kind of you know, playing on that version of Loomis with the ego. It would have been like, okay, you know, I can, I'll make it right this time. You know, I, I failed one Myers, but I won't fail again. But they they didn't go that route, and she's played by, um, you know, she you know, is played by Margaret Kidder, and 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 it's a great little sequence. Um, it's one of the, I think, stronger points in the movie because what's sort of going on throughout the narrative is Laurie is having these hallucinations. She's seeing Michael Myers. She's having these weird, almost like daydream events where like she's seeing Deborah Myers and she's having just like all these like traumatic episodes, 
you know, sometimes awake, sometimes um, asleep, and, and it's really having an impact on her, on her psyche. And you know, it's it, it, you're really seeing this movie in this movie. Laurie is unraveling, and whereas the first movie was really about Michael Myers on his mission to go back to Haddonfield and, and to go home. This movie is is really about the kind of you know decoupling of of Laurie Strode from reality, from what she knew to be reality, and her descent in you know kind of into madness. You know she's going home. You know metaphorically, you know into the Myers house. Like it's really uh, an interesting comparison and and kind of a, a contrast from how you know Michael's journey was. In the original film versus now, this is Laurie's Laurie's story, and and she really does play a central character. Michael is is more or less on the the, the periphery of this movie throughout much of it, and you know he's kind of reduced to a drifter or or almost a hobo. I mean, he's you know wearing very baggy clothes. I mean, he still has his boiler suit, but he you know he's got you know a beard showing, and his hair is all wild and crazy, and. You know, he's just like walking along the, the, the fields of Haddonfield, again, not really with any purpose or mission other than, you know, recurring hallucinations of his of his mother or visions of his mother. And 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 I you know, I guess it was sort of that was the contrast, whereas, you know, Michael is seeing his mother and, you know, younger versions of, of himself and she's instructing him to go home and you know, bring the family together, so to speak. Laurie is seeing hallucinations and visions that are almost, you know, in complete contrast, you know, dark and gloomy and tragic and frightening. And, you know, sometimes Deborah Myers is there, but it's like, it's really about Laurie's psyche cracking up. I mean, Michael's is already gone, but his is kind of more uh, linear, whereas Laurie's is very non-linear. She's just sort of, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And, you know, her character, you know, goes on this winding and, and, and bending arc which is really kind of you know it crescendos when it's revealed or when she discovers of course that she was in fact Michael Myers other sister and 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 her name is revealed to be Angel Myers which you know was an interesting uh was an interesting choice that was never really established in the in the original mythos it was you know kind of just left as lori but I thought it was interesting you know they decided to go the a different route and, you know, give her a whole name and all that stuff. Um, and, and kind of the, the, the trigger for that is she reads about it in a book written by Dr. Loomis. And so that kind of, you know, brings me to Loomis's character in the movie. And, you know, again, Donald Pleasance is Dr. Loomis. He will always be Dr. Loomis. He's sorely missed to this day. Like, he just brought so much to that role and to the franchise. But Malcolm McDowell, as I indicated in my earlier review, did a, did an admirable job of, of, of trying to make Loomis his own and really putting his own spin on the character, which is, you know, again, more of a, you know, uh, slight egomaniac with, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a guilty conscience that he couldn't, uh, you know, fix 
Michael and really, you know, taking that blame that, you know, is, is kind of a tragedy, uh, you know, in, in a different way from, from Donald Pleasant's take, which was, you know, I think his version, Loomis, you know, he felt guilt and he was upset that he couldn't reach him. But, you know, he kind of, you know, put all that aside and was like, no, I must, you know, spend the rest of my life trying to stop this this monster. And, and that's not the case with, with Loomis in, in the zombie universe and certainly in, in Halloween, too. Um, I mean... There's no other way for me to say it. I mean, he's a dick. I mean, he he's just he is a really just a despicable character, and and he's you know out there, money hungry. He's out looking for fame. He's got a new book out. He's just dropping knowledge that Laurie Strode is actually Michael Myers' long lost sister, and it's like, you know, the, I mean, the guy is just awful in this movie, and and it's only at the the very tail end that he you know, sort of has a, a crisis of, 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 of conscious and he's like, oh God, I've screwed up. And, you know, he tries to, to remedy it by, uh, tr- you know, helping with the, with the capture of Michael Myers. But I mean, he's just so far gone from the Loomis archetype and the character is just so despicable that, you know, you're not invested in him. I wasn't invested in him. He would just, he was just, it was, it was awful. And, and again, I, you know, Look at the counter argument. You know, this was how he dealt with his trauma. This was how he dealt with having failed Michael and the whole family. This is how he dealt with having nearly died in the previous film. Like, again, you could look at it from both sides, but like at the end of the day, he was just an awful character in the movie. And you know, again, I'm not this is not Malcolm McDowell, but he just the character itself. Like, he just this was not Doctor Loomis. This was not Doctor Loomis uh, from the last movie, and so. You know, when he does finally, you know, have his, uh, you know, his, you know, showdown with Michael, it's it's really anticlimactic in both uh, instances. I mean, it's the director's cut and the and the theatrical cut. But in, in both situations, Michael pretty much gets the the better of Dr. Loomis in the theatrical cut. I mean, it's pretty much spelled out that that Michael kills Loomis. I mean, he just butchers him to death with, you know, cutting him up left and right. And, and there's no question that Loomis did not, you know, that Loomis is dead. He, he is dead in the theatrical cut. But in the director's cut, it's it's a little bit more ambiguous. I mean, he's probably dead, but, um, he, you know, he and Michael have a, have a, you know, a showdown more or less where Michael takes his mask off and, uh, you know, Loomis is basically saying, you know, it's over and, you know, trying to reach any ba- last bit of sanity that's in him, and Michael responds before he stabs him by saying "die," and then Loomis is stabbed in the in the abdomen, and then you know his fate is never revealed, though it's pretty much implied that he that he uh, that he died. And you know, I'll I'll address the ending, uh, you know, in, in in just a bit. But you know, it, it was it was sad for me, you know, just you know, being a fan of the Loomis character to kind of see him kind of presented in this way because like he really he wasn't redeemable he really it was like when he when he you know, bites it at the end you know depending on which version it it's like almost you know went away like he he gets what's coming to him because he's been such a just an awful person throughout the entire movie and it's uh you know it's very much kind of a it's a letdown and i say that as you know a loomis a loomis stand but um you know I really have to to give my uh, major prop to to Brad Dorf because he 
he really owns this movie. I mean, he if in, in many ways he he's he's both underrated and, and in kind of kind of almost steals the show in a way. And, and you know, he's a great actor, you know, to begin with. And so, you know, you give him anything and he's going to make it work, but he really sells the character of of a just a broken and distraught bracket. And that's really what's at the core of this because this is a guy that that couldn't protect his town. He couldn't protect his daughter because ultimately in this movie Annie does meet her end at the hand of Michael Myers. Uh but 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 you know he also couldn't st- you know save Laurie. He couldn't keep her safe. And and he's really a, just a broken man who loses everything in this movie. And, you know, he's probably the, the most redeeming character of the movie. He He's just, you know, he almost becomes the Loomis figure, you know, sort of that, you know, protector and, and hunter of Michael Myers. And, you know, certainly maybe the protector of the town, to say the least. But, you know, it, it's a very uh, tortured and, and, frankly, broken performance of a man who, who just, I think, wants life to go back to normal. But yet it, he knows it's just beyond reach. And... And he just sells it. He he really sells it. And you know, every time I've, I've rewatched it, his performance and just continues to grow. And I, you know, like you're rooting for Bracken almost the entire movie because he's just, you know, it's just such a captivating performance. And I think maybe there's that you know void of the Loomis character, the Loomis archetype that's left in this movie unfilled. And Bracken really does his part, I think, to kind of become that character in a way because certainly you know in, in these movies you you almost need that f- person or figure to be opposed to Michael Myers in the newer ones it's clearly Laurie but you know everything you know post Halloween 2 and certainly uh you know Halloween and, and Halloween 2 I'm talking of course about the originals you know Donald Pleasant fulfilled that role of, of, of sort of the protector and, and, and boogeyman hunter uh, and it was nice to have Brad Dorif um, you know kind of fulfill that fulfill that role but um, you know uh, gosh um, Daniel Harris makes her return and and the, you know, this is this is another point where I really had to give props to zombie because you know first up he knew about you know, he he understood and appreciated Daniel Harris's commitment and and sort of her, you know, sort of, uh, her legacy with the franchise and how her character of Jamie never had a real send off and really you know again her portrayal of Jamie never had a real send off and so with her coming back in this movie, she does get that kind of kind of final showdown with with Michael and even though Michael ends up killing Annie. In a way, it's almost like the saying goodbye uh, to to the Jamie Lloyd character, and you know Daniel Harris really just just sells it, and and it's you know it, it's it's probably the saddest death scene in the movie, just because of the fact it's Daniel Harris and, and her legacy with the entire franchise, and 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 how it really serves as a, a you know kind of a final goodbye to. You know both Daniel Harris's involvement in the, in the franchise, uh, her turn. You know now as Lori as Annie, but but really her her kind of you know her her for, you know what she's truly known as 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 Jamie Lloyd, and it's it it was perfectly executed that with kind of like intercut with with home videos of a young Daniel Harris. It, it was props to Zombie. He he really I think 
nailed that and 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 kind of delivered the you know respect uh that that Harris deserved uh for her um for her involvement in the franchise um but um you know and and on that on on that point you know uh Scout Taylor Compton who I felt you know did, did you know made Lori her own in the last movie kind of differentiating herself from Lori Strode or from Jamie Lee Curtis but you know making it her own, uh, you know, she's not in the movie that much. Talk about the you know, the 2007 one, and so this movie is really her story. You know, kind of whereas 2007's remake was Michael's, this is this movie is really Laurie, and this is her journey uh, from you know, kind of the 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 good final girl into you know, essentially the sister of Michael Myers, and you know that was an interesting aspect that that Zombie took, which was to explore the the psychological connection uh, of of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode and how, you know, they are family and, and kind of the, you know, the history of, of mental illness and, you know, and families. And, you know, that, I, I thought that was interesting. And, and, you know, Zombie pretty much described Laurie as, as either being insane or going insane over the course of the movie. And then, then of course, by the end of it, you know, she is, she is gone. Like, you know, I mean, she's, you know, she she she's you know completely gone by the end of the movie and you know depending on which version you watch because you know there's there's again two diff- two different endings i already mentioned how you know one loomis pretty much gets filleted by michael and the other one he gets um he gets uh just you know stabbed in the stomach in 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 both endings there's really a, a kind of a a different interpretation. If you go with the theatrical, or if you go with the director's cut of the movie, Laurie, after you know Loomis has been attacked by Michael or stabbed by Michael outside of the shack they're in, uh, the police gun Michael Myers down, and he presumably is dead. Laurie then emerges from the shack grabs the knife and then proceeds or is about to stab Loomis. But then a trigger happy cop shoots her and she falls down. And the movie ends with a, uh, uh, w- w- with the song love hurts playing. And it ends with Laurie in this white room. It could be a psychiatric unit. It's hard to say, but then the last shot of, is uh, Dever Myers again returning with the white horse and then Laurie giving this kind of creepy demonic smile. That ending, and it's kind of been validated by, by, by Rob Zombie, is almost implying that everybody's dead. Loomis is dead, Michael's dead, and, and Laurie is, is in the process of dying. And that's sort of her you know, kind of final, you know, coming home moment, if you will, where she's seeing the white horse, she's seeing Deborah Myers, and then, you know, the family is together again, more or less, and the story ends. That's the director's cut. The theatrical cut, much different. As I said, Loomis gets attacked by Michael, brutally filleted. He's dead. Police shoot Michael. They're outside the shack. They see him still in the shack. They shoot him. He falls onto some farming equipment and is pretty much stabbed uh, you know, from the back out. And then Laurie goes up to Michael, and you know he's either dead or about to die. She then stabs him a few times with the knife, and then she emerges from the shack, and she's now wearing the Michael Myers mask. And 
you know, it's kind of, again, suggesting that she's made her, uh, you know, she's come full circle. She has now descended fully into madness and insanity, and, and she's no different than her brother. And again, same final uh, shots of her in what is essentially a psychiatric ward, seeing Deborah Myers in the White Horse. That ending, of course, implying that, you know, Laurie's alive and, and, you know, basically is now following in her brother's footsteps. Now, which ending do I prefer? Um, I, I, I'm not sold, honestly, on either one of them because the whole white horse, Deborah Myers sort of pulling the strings from beyond the grave is very Friday the 13th to me. And, you know, to me, Michael Myers is not someone who follows instructions, particularly that of, you know, a dead mother. And he's not someone that has really any rationale or motives. He just, he does what he does for whatever reason in his own head. And that's, you know, can be left up into interpretation. So I'm not a fan of that whole kind of storyline that is existing in the movie with Michael, you know, following his mother's command and, and whatnot. If I had to pick an, a, a version, an, an ending, I think the theatrical is better because number one, and, 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 you know, well, I'll start, I'll start with sort of the minor part. I, I like the idea of Laurie, you know, truly dissenting into madness, coming out with the mass symbolizes that. And then it ends with her in the psychiatric ward. You know, it's a very dark ending. It's a very down ending. And it, you know, it's, it's bold. It's not a happy ending. You know, everybody, you know, goes home, you know, the killer's dead. It's not your traditional ending for a horror movie um, or, you know, a general ending for a horror movie. Um, and not to say that the director's cut is like an upbeat ending. No, it's kind of, it's, you know, they all die. It's not a happy ending, but it's it's probably more somber, whereas the theatrical ending is more, uh, is more ominous. It's, it's more, it's more... Uh, eerie because you know Laurie is essentially now picking up the you know metaphorical knife and you know carrying on her brother's legacy, uh, you know fully embracing it, and, and that you know that I thought was kind of the way that that was a better way to go. Now, all that all that being said, why I picked the theatrical cut over the director's cut. Um, which is actually kind of, it, it's side note, it is a harder version of, of the movie to find. But um, putting that aside, I like it because, number one, Michael is not unmasked. In the director's cut, he rips his mask off. His face is shown. It's not in shadow. His face is clearly visible, and he looks almost like a you know an angry Viking. Um <laughs> And so that's that's number that's number one and, and number two. Michael doesn't speak. You know, I can you know I can deal with the the sort of you know the groans that he makes in the movie, uh, but Michael speaking, which he does in the in the director's cut, uh, I, that that to me, that that's that's a no no when it comes to a Halloween movie. You know, I will I won't say that I am opposed entirely to Michael speaking, but it's, I don't know. It's got to be executed very well. And this, that, that sequence just was not, um, one of the drafts of the script for Halloween H2O 
originally had Michael speaking to Lori and, and, and calling her name out. And, and that almost, I think, could, it might work a little bit better versus him just screaming at the top of his lungs, die. I don't know. That that was that was a little hard. Uh, that that was that was a that was a difficult one to to really uh, get past because I felt at that point like the, the Michael Myers character had had been totally deconstructed and, and was no longer what he was intended. You know, again, I can you know you know bite my tongue with the whole white uh, horse and the, and the you know mother angle, but. Michael speaking, I don't know that that that's that's a tricky one, and I, I just didn't I didn't think it was it was handled right in the uh, in the theater in the director's cut. So I I would say the theatrical ending is is better because it's I mean number one I think it's probably more of a of a I guess a crowd pleaser in a way because you know Laurie is is more or less left alive at the end of the movie. Uh, you know, again, it's ominous because it's implying she's going to become the next Michael Myers, but it's it, it's a little bit better than just, you know, a downer, somber, they're all dead, and, you know, you know, Laura's, you know, last images before she dies is of her mother and, and a white horse. Like, it it almost works better if it's, okay, Laurie has now, you know, taken on the role of, of the shape. You know, she is the next you know, boogeyman. Um, but you know, again, the, 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 it's not like the whole movie hinged on you know one particular ending. I mean, it's 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 one of those movies where I get what they were going for, and you know, certainly this movie is much more Rob Zombie's vision than say Halloween uh, two thousand seven was. Uh, you know, again, that he was more constrained by the mythos and by the the legacy of the original. This movie, he was allowed to just sort of go wild, and, and it shows. You know, it's it, it, there's a lot of bold choices in this movie. I mean, again, starting with the idea of Deborah Myers and and kind of being the ghost that's you know speaking to Michael and then speaking to Laurie and. You know, th- that, those are bold choices, and the idea of, of kind of exploring the family link of, of mental illness and sort of the, the the psyches of Laurie and Michael Myers, kind of you know being you know two sides of the same coin. You know, those those were very unique choices, and and took the took the narrative in a different way. This you know again, this was not to use Malika Cod's words, a, a normal sequel. It wasn't just like oh Laurie's dealing with trauma and oh Michael Myers is back again, like. You know, a, a more straightforward sequel probably would have gone that approach. You know, maybe done, you know, been like a quasi remake of Halloween Two, uh, with a you know a dash of Halloween Seven. You know, maybe that's, you know, what a normal one was uh, would have been. This was not a normal sequel. I mean, this was a very bold and, and frankly, you know, daring uh, choice. I mean, the the Halloween theme itself, I I don't think actually is uh is used in this movie. I think you know maybe briefly at the very end of the movie we get just hints of of Carpenter's theme which you know that to me is sort of you know a a a, a unique choice. I'm not saying I, I I agree with it. I frankly don't. I mean if you're going to have a Halloween movie, I think you probably have to have the Halloween music in there at some point. But I mean, you know again, I, th- this movie was really done in a way to say 
we're continuing the storyline that we explored in the remake, but pretty much everything you know about Halloween and the mythology of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode and Loomis, it's getting chucked out the window because this this was like, we're just going to go for it and see, you know, and see what happens. And, and you know, it's... The ending, I mean, it's not like you could even say it's a mixed result because, oh, there's this part is good, this part's bad. You know, it, it's it's just a... It's a different movie. It's a very jarring movie, and it has a lot of choices which don't always pay off. I mean, I think the 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 link between Laurie and Michael is an interesting element. I, I think having Deborah Myers at the center center of it was just sort of a an odd choice, and you know, I'm sure. You know, we can all speculate on 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 the reasons why, but it's it's a that's very jarring. It's like I said, it's very Friday the Thirteenth esque, and you know, it, it's not a movie where there's sort of like one you know central character that you're that you're rooting for. Like, you know, if anything, as I said, Bracket is probably the 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 best character in the movie because he's not a jerk. I mean, you know, Lori, you know, obviously is going through some kind of a crisis, but I mean, she's not necessarily being pleasant about it. Like she, she's really just kind of a mean spirited individual. And, and, and only, you know, by the end is she kind of, you know, revert to the, to the original Lori Strode uh, of, of the previous movie. Uh, you know, Loomis is just a complete, uh, just, ass hat and I mean it's just you know it's it's a far cry from you know from where he was in the last one and it's I mean it's eons from from Donald Pleasance's interpretation but I mean you know again it's it's a it's the best way I could describe this movie honestly it's it's bizarre it is a bizarre take on the Halloween mythos. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't make excuses. It, it doesn't apologize. It embraces the fact that it's bizarre. It embraces the fact that the story goes in weird directions. I mean, in many ways that kind of, it's, it's all there in the setup, you know, with the scene, with the you know, flashback involving young Michael and the white horse statue and Deborah Myers giving it to him. And then you know, what is more or less the dream sequence of Laurie at the hospital. Pretty much the way you think this movie is going to go, it's not. And, and you know, it's not like this was the expectation game was subverted because, you know, again, it, it was clear from the trailer that it wasn't going to be like a, a straightforward Halloween 2 remake. Um, but, you know, it, it was, it, you know, it's, again, it's a slasher movie. You know, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Um, but it, 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 it goes and, and it goes in, in, in odd directions. And sometimes it just goes, it just goes in, in just strange circles. And, you know, I think that's the best way it's, it's a bizarre film. I, I can't say that it is the worst movie in the franchise that, that title I will reserve for another movie, uh, in, uh, in in, in uh, probably next week's or the week after as a uh, review, but uh, you know this one 
you know, it's lower. It's lower uh, in the pe- uh, in, in the line. You know, again, I I appreciate what Zombie was trying to do. I think you know clearly, like the, the first one, he put his heart and soul into it. Um, but you know, it, it's it's kind of the way I say to people: like, if you didn't enjoy the first one, you were going to hate the second one. Uh, it's not one of those where people are like, oh, I'd love the second one. But no, I mean, I think, you know, again, unless you're a fan of it, uh, or, or, you know, in the case, you know, in my situation, you're a fan of the franchise where you'll, you'll, you'll watch this, but like, you know, outside of doing prep for this particular review, I haven't watched this movie in years. Like, you know, it just, it's not... It's not on on my radar. I mean, I have seen the remake version, you know, either in in a whole sitting or in you know walking into it bits and pieces more times than I have seen this. I I think in total, I have probably seen this movie from beginning to end. I think at, at most three times. I mean, I, I'm trying to think back beyond this most recent viewing, but I, I'm going to say in total, no more than three times. And, and, you know, I might even be giving myself more one extra viewing. It might even just be two. Uh, in fact, I think it actually might even just be two. I think I might be getting ahead of myself. I think, you know, so I mean, it, it's, I think that probably says it all. I mean, I think that kind of, you know, that, 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 that's the, that's the nail in the, uh, the metaphorical coffin. You know, it, it's there. It's part of the mythos. And again, it's unique, but it is a very bizarre, very bizarre movie, and not one that I will be revisiting anytime soon. I I don't think I'll be watching it this Halloween. Uh, I know I didn't watch it last Halloween, and you know, but for but for this review, uh, I don't think I would have watched it uh, again. So uh, you know, I I took one for the team. If uh, if you're not a fan. Uh, of this particular entry. But I mean, then again, as I said, I know there are people that really love this movie and I know there are fans who, you know, maybe were mixed, you know, kind of, you know, they liked the original, but I mean, they really loved the second one because they, they just thought it was so weird and different. Uh, to me, it was it was just bizarre. And I that's I think that's all I'm going to say on Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. So that concludes, uh, I think that concludes today's today's show um i will be back next week with another review it's i'm I'm debating whether or not to to go with sort of the uh the uh the 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 bizarre sequels shall we say kind of continuing that trend or if i will um uh go go ahead with halloween uh seven i mean we are we are getting close now. We are getting very close to the end of the line, so it is it is definitely exciting because uh, we are just you know just thirty six days away from the release of Halloween Ends, and as I've said from the beginning, I can't I can't wait to see how it is going to end. And uh, doing these uh, these reviews of the movies uh, has has just kind of made the uh, the journey all the more worthwhile. So. Uh, stay tuned uh, for that, and and certainly look forward to other reviews uh, coming uh, in in the f- next few weeks. Because now we are starting to uh, we're through the summer uh, the summer rush, so to speak. Fall is on the way. We're entering we're entering awards season, and I think there's going to be a lot of interesting films uh, certainly to talk about. And uh, there's a number of them coming out over the coming weeks that I can't wait to uh, share my thoughts with you on, particularly Blonde and uh, 
Don't Worry Darling, which is attracting a whole lot of uh, uh, interesting coverage, uh, shall we say. But there's also Pearl. That comes out next week. So in addition to uh, the Halloween reviews, I will be uh, dividing future episodes kind of half and half between a new movie review and a Halloween review or, or, or vice versa. But uh, just stuff to look forward to as we uh, as we get closer to uh, to Halloween ends. So with that, I will sign off. Uh, as always, thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. Always appreciate your support and your feedback. Uh, feel free to tweet me. My, uh, my handle is PhilCastMovies, and the handle for this particular show is Phil at the Movies. But as I've indicated in the past, I am much more active on my personal handle, PhilCastMovies. So feel free to tweet at me there and uh, you know, either confirm if uh, you know, Halloween 2 is uh, just as bizarre for you as it is for me. Or, if hey, if you're one of those who really loves this particular entry and all its unique weirdness. But... Uh, That'll do it for me. I hope everyone is uh, doing well. Stay safe. Uh, stay, uh, stay healthy. And uh, again, as always, thank you for tuning in. Please rate and review this podcast and share it with your family, your friends, anyone who you think would enjoy listening to a movie buff go on at great lengths uh, over, uh, over monologues and uh, discussing what we, uh, what we love, why, uh, why you're uh, tuning in for the show, and that is For the Love of Movies. So with that, take care, everybody, and see you next week.